since last we met, John, the first manager in the major leagues has been fired. Yeah, we talked about this last week, and boy, this was quick. Uh, 51 games in reminds me of a George Steinbrenner firing. Yeah, when we'll talk about our first George Steinbrenner firing when we were back on the beat, we'll talk about Joe Girardi's dismissal, other managers on the hot seat, Aaron Judge's contract statics, and of course, we'll open our notebooks as we always do on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode four of the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. This is a podcast from the New York Post. I'm Joel Sherman. He's John Heyman. We hope you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You could also find clips for what we do, John, on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. So subscribe to that on YouTube. And John, we were talking a week Mm -hmm. ago about Joe Girardi and his job status, and he got fired. Now, you and I go back a long way. Our first time, we knew each other before 1990, sure. but the first time we worked together was 1990, the Yankees. Back then, the Yankees used to fire a manager about every two, three weeks. Sure enough, in early June of 1990, we dealt with our first one. Bucky Dent got dismissed as Yankee manager about 200 yards from uh, Fenway Park, where he hit one of the most famous homers in baseball history for the Yankees. John, what do you remember about that? Uh, first of all, uh, 49 games in. So, I mean, I was fooled by George Steinbrenner. We'd gone to the 21 club. Uh, I remember I was basically on the beat for about two minutes at that point. We had a nice hamburger. He told us how he was going to keep Bucky for the year. And, of course, he did not keep Bucky for the year. But my greatest memory of that, and you'll, you'll know that this and is And I'll memory, appreciate it, right? Was Gary Tuck, the coach who also was fired that day, slamming the door in your face as we ran up to Bucky's room to try to interview him about what just happened, which... It was not the right thing to do to fire him near Fenway Park, where he had his greatest moment. My memory was the door slamming, yes. So now let's be fair, John. I think we'd agree I'm not the greatest fellow who's ever lived. Me versus Gary Tuck. Who's the worst fellow? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You told the story. We're not right. Well, Joel, you're my friend. I've got you're my you know, friend. I, but I, even I, if I wasn't I your friend, would you like to compare and contrast Gary Tuck to other he people you've made? He was a very fine catching coach. Those he was a very fine catching coach. He had a good catching coach right. technique. What yeah. kind of fellow was he? I don't. I the kind. Yeah, you knew him better than I did. That's all I'll say. That's why he slammed the door because I knew him better than <laughs> you did. Uh, John, uh, we also both know Joe Girardi. He played in this town. He coached in this town. He managed in this town. He broadcasted in this town. And he was in his third year with the Philadelphia Phillies and about the same way, a third into the season, like Bucky Dent, he got the ax. So I guess the place to start is since we talked about it last week, now we know it's happened. Yeah. I would ask the question, justified or not justified? Well, first of all, we said we know it happened, and we did talk about it, so I give us credit for that, but I did say, you, not you, it's me, I did say on there I thought they'd give him a little more I rope. should have slammed the door in I, your face I at I that point to, to make sure you didn't say I, that. I deserved the, mm-hmm. uh, the door, door being slammed because I'd been there with that team. They were here in New York with the Mets, and uh, he was asked by Jim Salisbury whether he was worried about his job, and you could see he was worried. He said, uh, I don't think about it, which we knew was not true, which I, I don't blame him for that. That's one of my favorite things people always say is I don't think about it. I love it when they say that about like their 
contract. I don't think about it. Really? I'm thinking about if you're making $200 million, <laughs> but you're not thinking about it? Well, I think they feel like they have to say it. Yes. But you also this say, and other tried brought to you by. He also volunteered that you asked me that every day, which I later found out he did not ask him that every day. And I'd never seen a quote like that. So I, I kind of knew that he did not. And I, I felt that he was feeling the pressure as he should have been. I mean, this is a better team than they played under him. And he had two plus years there. So uh, I do think it was justified. I think Dombrowski, even though I thought he'd give him a little more time, I think Dombrowski made the right move. He did fire Phil Garner after six games. If you remember with Detroit, I, they basically won, I think, what, 41 games, something like that, the Tigers. The Phillies are a better team than this. They were not responding, and it's a tough job. And, you know, when you don't have results, you get fired, and that, that's just the way it should be, and that's the way it is. You know, I think part of what goes into it, John, is – if you know you're not bringing the guy back in 2023, short of them, say, winning the World Series, and let's remember, Joe Girardi got fired from the Yankees, or not re-signed from the Yankees, after getting to Game 7 of the ALCS in a somewhat surprising 2017. So I, I think that they knew he wasn't coming back, and they said to themselves, well, shouldn't we at least take a shot at defibrillating the team in case it is yeah. the manager? So that seemed to make sense. So then they pivot to someone who we know, and I think we both like a great deal in Rob Thompson, a coach for the Yankees, who we like as opposed to someone who slammed the door in my face. <laughs> do you think he's the right guy? And do you think it could defib them? Do you think that this – I know you believe this is a talented but disjointed team. Can the talented but disjointed team kind of at least get back into the wild? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They absolutely can. And one interesting thing about this is Rob Thompson, while we both like him, Girardi does too. He, he's the one who brought him in there. That's a little bit unusual. Normally those coaches are out with the manager. So I think I give Dave Dombrowski credit there for giving Rob Thompson the chance. I think you're right. The mistake was made – and it was a mistake I think a lot of people would have made. John Milton, who I think is a very good owner, is trying very hard. He spends a lot of money with the Phillies. At the time when they made the hiring, they had three choices. Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker, and Joe Girardi. And I wrote this in the post. They had a 67% <laughs> chance to get it right, and they blew it. Uh, obviously, Buck Showalter now going for his fourth Manager of the Year award. We'll see. And obviously going for something bigger than that with the Mets. Dusty Baker, same thing. They've each won three Manager of the Year awards. Now, I understand why they picked Girardi. I mean, he, he is younger. He remains younger. Um, he's received less criticism over the years. There were probably less hickeys or whatever you want to call them on his resume. And it was the logical and you know, expected choice. I think Buck went in there knowing that it would be an upset for him to get that job. So it made sense, but it ultimately it wasn't Dave Dombrowski's choice. He wasn't, he didn't make, he wasn't the GM at the time. The owner made the call and they made a mistake and I think they corrected it and I give them credit. And, and look, to know Rob Thompson is to like Rob yes, Thompson. To know absolutely. Joe Girardi is to know Joe Girardi, right? And so I, I think that Rob Thompson makes great connection with players. And I think... Oftentimes, we see in all sports, one type of manager coach is always followed by a personality different. And Rob, while I agree, Thompson and Girardi are very close, I think that players feel bonded to Rob Thompson. And I'm curious if he has some kind of impact in a tough town at a tough time of letting people get into a situation. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the right choice. I mean, I, I thought, you know, maybe they do something like bring in Larry Boa, who's an advisor there, or Charlie Manuel, who's managed the most games in Philly's history and won a championship for the Phillies, but I think this was the right choice, and it looks good so far. I mean, we're, we're, we're three, four games in. They've, they haven't lost yet, have they? I don't think no, so. it was so, good they played the, good. the Angels. We taped this episode 
early on Tuesday morning, several hours before Joe Madden was fired as manager of the Los Angeles Angels. So which manager do you think is on the hottest seat? I mean, Joe Madden at this point, they've lost 12 in a row. Now, I'm not going to jinx him like I jinxed Girardi and say they're going to give him more rope, although it is very possible that they do. His contract is up at the end of the year. Like Girardi, he was a lame duck going in. Like Girardi, he has a GM who did not hire him. Perry Manassian did not hire Joe Madden. Um, he does have a codicil in his contract that says if he gets did to the World Series. you just want to use codicil correctly no, in a sentence? it just came into my head. Uh, he has a thing in his contract that says uh, if he gets to the World Series, he gets to come back. So I don't think they're getting to the World Series. I'm not sure he's getting to that point anyway. I do think that, uh, you know, Joe Madden is a particular type of manager. He's old school. He obviously has won a World Series. He's done a, had a fabulous career. To me, he's more of a marketing man than a manager. He's a ter- terrific at marketing. He's great. He gets great publicity, all that. But I think the younger, the newer managers do not really appreciate Joe Madden that much. And I do not think, I do not see him making it into next year. I'm not going to name the date at which he goes, but to me, that's the most logical guy right now on the hot seat. And he, another big piece of evidence that I don't want to leave out, I think they have the next manager right on the staff in Ray Montgomery, who we both know, a local guy from Fordham, from Yonkers and Bronxville. He was came out of the front office, and he is the bench coach. And I think everybody on that team knows that he is the manager in waiting. When you have the manager in waiting, ready to go, that's the easy one. And thank you for giving me choice number one. Yeah, so think about it. The manager is named Joe, like Girardi. He was hired as a former World Series winner. He beat out Buck Showalter for the job. Remember, Mm -hmm. Billy Epler was the GM there. He wanted Buck Showalter, who interviewed for it, but Artie Moreno, the owner, wanted Joe Madden. And he came into kind of the Phillies of the American League, a high payroll team that hasn't been to the playoffs in a long time. The Phillies are the second longest drought in the league. The Angels are tied for the third longest. Madden also hasn't had an impact on that team the way that Girardi has, didn't have on the Phillies. And so I think it's a date. Is it during the season and they want to try to, again, to use the term defibrillate? Maybe, but I would strongly believe he isn't managing the team in 2023. And I'm going to go with another guy for my first one who I think, so I'm thinking about guys who I don't think manage the team moving forward. And so my guy for that is Don Mattingly. I think that Kim Ang has a long relationship with Don Mattingly. And I think this offseason, there were a lot of people in the Marlins front office who maybe didn't want Mattingly back even in 2022. But the only two votes that mattered were Derek Jeter and Kim Ang. And they both wanted Mattingly back. But Jeter isn't there as the CEO anymore. The Marlins did invest some money on offensive players this offseason. The team is not playing well. It's played the most one-run one run games. They're 7-15. and 15. Well, some people say, hey, if he managed a bullpen better, etc. He's 61 I'm just wondering, does he get it during the season to see if they could maybe get into the wild card run? I'm not certain that they would do that to Don Mattingly, who they like, but I can't believe without a contract for next year that he's back next year. You know, they like him. We like him. Everybody likes Don Mattingly. Um, I think for that reason, I I think they probably give him the year. I know they've lost a lot of one-run games. You know, I think that's just happenstance. I I wouldn't blame Mattingly for that. I think it's a situation like when he was a player. Uh, Remember when he was a player and he retired after 95, and I think he retired mostly for personal reasons. We know the back was getting on him, but I think were family reasons that really, you know, really haven't 
been discussed that in depth to this point, but I think he retired and he, he could have kept playing because he was pretty good in '95. He had a great playoff. And Cleveland right? and St. Louis both were interested right, in him. Right, and I think I mean I think the Yankees understood that he wasn't coming back, and they moved on and got Tino Martinez, who did a good job as well. He wasn't Don Mattingly, but he was a very good Yankee. So I I do think that. Uh, Mattingly won't be back next year, but I think it'll be set up as more of a retirement with family considerations. Yeah, I think uh, that'd that's be probably. my guess. Yeah, I think uh, that's likely. My next manager I'm going to go with is uh, David Bell from the Reds. Now, you know, I've gotten in hot water with some Reds people for this in the past that I keep pointing out how much nepotism there is in the Reds and how everybody other than Crawl, Nick Crawl, their GM who got the job on merit. Uh, everybody there is related to somebody. And obviously, Buddy Bell is a big fixture in the Cincinnati town and also with the organization. And David Bell got the job. And, I mean, obviously, they got off to that horrific start. They've been better lately. He may stay. You know, uh, that is an organization that believes in nepotism, obviously. Uh, they don't like me saying that, but I've mentioned that word three times now, so they're really not going to like this podcast. But, you know, they, he really has... Well, this. you've used codicil and nepotism, well, so I think they're going to love nepotism. this podcast, John. Nepotism is a word. If, that if, I think. if, if they're doing the SAT, the... the, the <laughs> My daughter needs to listen to this. Yeah. But uh, I think David Bell, I'll put him on the hot seat, but, you know, I'm not going to guarantee anything. There. So, you know, as I thought about it, John, as... Uh, you know, just to, to close this out, I'll do one more also. But I thought about David Bell. I thought about that. Are there a couple of places where regime change is as likely and it's GM and manager? And that's one of the places, right? Like Cincinnati hasn't done well. I wonder if Seattle doesn't get its act together, does that become Jerry DePoto and Scott Service? If uh, we know that Washington is selling, right, uh, they, they, they're selling the team, does that mean Mike, I think Davey Martinez won't be back as the manager next year. Does that mean Mike Rizzo also? And just for my last guy, I'll throw out one other person. I don't think there'll be a change on the executive level, though I wonder about it, and it's Mike Matheny. Now, again, I don't think Mike Matheny is under the gun right this second, though if you talk to executives from other teams or scouts that are watching the team, they talk about a bad vibe around that team. So I wonder about that. The Royals don't seem to feel they have that, but that was a team that thought it was going to take a step forward this season. It hasn't. Dayton Moore, who you know and like a great deal, he hired Matheny. He's kind of taken on a more global role. J.J. Piccolo's there as the GM. And the new owner, he has a great last name, John Sherman. You know, it's a new <laughs> owner. Does he insist that they try something different because it's not working there? Yeah, I think we've probably fired enough people, but I'm just going to comment on, on the ones that you mentioned. I do think service and DePoto are probably a team. They're kind of almost married, so what, whatever happens to one might happen to the other. Obviously, they have not lived up to the expectations, my expectations and others this year, so I could see something happening there. I'll say something about the Nats. I mean, Mike Rizzo, uh, they averaged 91 wins over 10 years. That's pretty good. Obviously, they're, they're a very bad team at the moment, so it's not great timing for Mike, and I'm sure he feels a lot of pressure now with the uh, likely change in ownership uh, once they sell that team. I understand what you're saying there. And then uh, and Dade Moore, very close to, to Matheny, but I think you're right. I think there is a possibility there as well. So you, you did well there. You did well, but I think we fired enough managers for the day. I'm, I'm going to throw out one more because I can't resist. <laughs> you and can't then help I, yourself. I, I can't help myself before we uh, go to the break here. And that's just to say, 
I don't think Bud Black is in trouble in Colorado. And I don't think Charlie Montoyo is in trouble in Toronto. I think Toronto is going to make the playoffs. I think they're very good. But if somehow Toronto were to underachieve this season and not make it, I would remember that Mark Shapiro, the president of the Blue Jays, has a longstanding relationship with Bud Black. And I just wonder about Bud Black becoming this offseason's Bob Melvin, where Melvin went from Oakland to an underachieving San Diego team. And so then I wonder if this team, this Toronto team, which is built to win now, they're a big market team now, they've, they've invested a lot in free agency. That's one of those ones just to think about there. Yeah, no, I, I don't think Charlie. I mean, that's why I'll disagree with you. I think Charlie Montoya is okay. He's safe. I think he's doing a fine job. And they have there's zero chance that they won't be in the playoffs. I mean, look yeah. at the American League right now. Uh, as of yesterday, you had a 500 team in the Andrew, playoffs. Andrew, make sure this is all taped. So when on November 17th, when we do our show, zero chance. Uh, I'll well, repeat that. Zero. zero. Okay. Toronto well, is an well, that's team. a long way away. But if you stick with us on the show with John Heyman, oh, I did it again on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. I just want to give you first billing all well, the you time. Just, you do what's what, right occasionally. Yes. Yes. And we're going to try to do what's right by talking about one contract extension done and one contract extension not done yet with the biggest star in New York. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back with the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. John, we did have a contract extension this week. Jordan Alvarez and the Astros, six years at $115 million. He's one of the best young hitters in the sport. What'd you think of this? Uh, made sense. Second and weighted runs created plus to Mike Trout since 2019. Really good hitter. And this is the highest contract for a designated hitter. He does play a little outfield, I think, which helps him. And as you point out when we were on MLB Network uh, yesterday, one of the rare Dodger mistakes. They had him and traded him for Josh Fields. Codicil and weighted runs created plus? Who, who are you? Well, Who are you? That's a wait, weighted runs created plus I, is a big deal now. Uh, baseball. We should uh, fill you in sometime. Joe. Yes, we're going to have you a whole more, tutorial after this. It, Here, here's something to think about. So, among the Astros' top ten in WAR right now is Jeremy Pena, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Frama Valdez, Jose Siri, Christian Javier, and Michael Brantley. That's seven of the ten guys. You know why I mentioned them? None of them were members of the 2017 Astros who won the World Series, and obviously a tainted World Series with whatever. It's just a point that this is a splendid organization. They are rebuilding the team on the fly with guys like Tucker and Alvarez and all these young starters like Framba Valdez. They've really done a terrific job of going from that team to the to a team that's going to continue to win. They're going to win the AL West by about 20 games. There's no competition in that division. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had them winning the uh, league. Uh, you know, I thought that they, they were the best team. Obviously, I was wrong at the moment. The Yankees are unstoppable, but uh, they're a terrific team. And do you remember who's been their best prospect over the last four or five years? It's Forrest Whitley, and he's yeah. one guy who didn't make it. That's why I never read the prospect list. I love the, I, I know people love them. You're they're too never busy right. reading about weighted runs created plus. Well, you can't learning. waste your time I'm with learning. prospects list. I got to learn. 
Yeah. So, so you mentioned the Yankees. Uh, they have the best record in the sport as we're doing this, uh, probably yeah, a few days afterwards also. Nobody's uh, right on their tail right now. But the big story that's not going to go away, and we've both written about it in the last week, you most recently in the New York Post, John, is about what to do about Aaron Judge and his contract going forward. You say give the man, open the bag. <laughs> Mine was simple. I just said, pay the man. I mean, uh, you know, he said that he wanted the $36 million Mike Trout deal, uh, $36 million a year uh, when they had the discussions, and uh, the Yankees wanted to give him $30.5 million. At this point, he leads the league in every category that he could hope to lead the league in, home runs and OPS and slugging, and these are normal stats that we all cite all the time, and he leads in all of them, and he's tied for the league lead in offensive war also uh, with, I believe, Machado and Goldschmidt, so he leads the American League. I think he's been fantastic. So to me, um, he deserves that contract that he asked for. I know the Yankees aren't going to be happy to hear that I say that, but uh, I believe it. They've done such a good job with all of these Bargains. I mean, Matt Carpenter, the latest, but I mean, Nestor Cortez and Trevino, up and down the line, they've done a great job. And the fact they've done a great job with all of these great bargains gives them the ability to sign their stars. And to me, he is their biggest star. So let's let's play it out, John. Let's, let's say you do run the Yankees. You're the GM, the team president, the owner. I wrote a column over the weekend about this, which is I think ultimately you're going to have to probably give Aaron Judge a ton of money. I can't imagine the Yankees letting him go. But why negotiate now? He has all the leverage in the world. At this point, the number isn't going to go down. Shouldn't I wait another two-thirds of a season? He has been injury-prone. He's probably actually not going to hit 62 home runs. I mean, I might as well wait till the end of the season. Now, of course, I run the Freddie Freeman risk that he could go someplace else, but I just have, I've lost all leverage if I'm the Yankees. So if you and I were running the team, what would you tell me? Well, first of all, I think the point's moot. He said he's not talking at this moment. You're probably going to have to wait. But my opinion is, and you just mentioned it, I don't want to risk the Freddie Freeman thing. The Yankees are worth $7 billion, according to Forbes, and they'll probably tell you that that's short. They're worth more than $7 billion. Their revenues are the highest in the sport. I think they're the highest every year. I think the Red Sox beat them one year. Other than that, the Yankees have always had the highest revenue. Uh, They have a reasonable $250 million. I laugh when I say that $250 million budget or payroll right now. Uh, They certainly can afford it to quibble. I mean, they were willing to go to $32 million. I do believe they were at $30.5. They're willing to go to $32. Why not just go the extra $4 million? That's peanuts for them. Wait, hold on. Which no, pocket do I have that I, extra four? I know million? it's easy for me to say, right? It's not my money. But Forbes isn't ranking me as worth seven billion. So. No, that is right. Not not even seven million. You know, I think they should not give, even seventy dollars. I think they should give it a shot. And you know, I I ultimately I think I'm glad you mentioned Freeman. I think it's better that they stay together for both sides. I think it's better for both sides. I think but there's some responsibility then to the player, right? Because Freeman yes. wanted to stay a brave. And he let things get out of control there. And so if Judge really wants to stay a Yankee for life, which is, you know, you mentioned that it's a moot point because he said he isn't going to negotiate during the season. I'd love to get back to that in one second. But he also has said, I want to be a Yankee for life. If he wants to be a Yankee for life, I'm sure they're going to pay him a ton of money. I'm not here to save Hal Steinbrenner and the $7 billion Yankees any money. But it's part of his responsibility. And part of that responsibility probably is to whisper to your agent, hey, 
during the All-Star break, like if they call or maybe we should call, let's just take a little down period to see if we could get this done. It'd be a great way. The Yankees are playing for everything this year to launch into the second half of the season because I do want to play here for the, the rest of my career. I know I mean, we're both, we've both kind of like played this game back and forth. Who could do it? Boston, the Mets, the Cubs. We keep seeing the Giants as maybe the stalking horse here. He's from Northern California. They did make a huge offer to Bryce Harper when he was a free agent. So when people say, oh, the Giants wouldn't do this kind of thing, certainly they would, especially if they have a down year this season. So I think they're the stalking horse. But like, I do wonder, on the Freeman issue, should Judge take some initiative here also to make sure that there isn't a divorce? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's better for both sides, like I said. And I do think that the Yankees look at it that way, that the Giants are the team that they need to beat. He is from Northern California. He went to Fresno State. As you mentioned, they don't believe the Mets would do it. I think they're right. I don't think they want to start a war in New York. Uh, you know, I think it's two sides are going to play nice there. They look at the other big market teams and they don't see the likelihood. The Cubs, they don't see it. The Red Sox, they don't see him jumping to the Red Sox. The Dodgers, they have Mookie Betts in right field. You know, obviously Judge can play center now too, but they don't see it. So first of all, I would say about that, you never know. You never right, know, right? if we were sitting here. I mean, the Tigers, time, yeah. the, 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 the Rangers, the Twins, did anyone expect them to sign the biggest contract? The Rangers spent a half a billion right. dollars on a mil, middle infield so, last year. So like trying to I fully think, predict a yeah, market think, months ahead of the time is always foolhardy. I, I think they're wasting their time looking at the list and saying, you know what, we're going to beat out the Giants. We don't think he wants to go home. I will say this, if it is the Giants, he's better off in the Yankee ballpark. You know, he right, has the right, right field is yeah. tough in that ballpark Very in tough. San Francisco. Yeah, it's a tough park. Uh, they they've they've hit a decent number of home runs. It's somehow it's gotten a little more homer friendly, but it's not Yankee Stadium for Judge. Judge is a right field hitter. And Yankee Stadium is the And it's the Yankees. Park. And he right. was drafted here, and there's a judge's chamber, well, and you get to go into Monument not, Park. And, like, again, if it really matters, if it's not to just— be too provincial here, but but, okay. but, but but I'm not—so let's stick to that again. Am I being provincial, or am I taking the player? The player has said, I love the fans. I love being a Yankee. I want to be a Yankee for my whole life. Right. So either that's real or it's not real. If it is real, then all the things I'm talking about, getting into Monument Park, going into the Hall of Fame, there's a, by the way, there's a whole monetization of that post-career, right? If you stick as a Yankee your whole life. So I do think, I think there's more pressure on the Yankees. There's total leverage for Judge right now. Do something else. And I, look, I've mentioned this in previous shows. I do think of everyone who does what we do, John, you read markets well. So if you're the Yankees and you want to take a midseason shot at him, you've mentioned tr yeah. Trout. What do you offer him that you think would make him go, yes, we're now, I'm willing to do this 72 hour negotiation to see if it gets done? Yeah, I mean, done. I wrote it. I said I would just throw in the towel and give him the 36 million. Now, over how he, many years, though? I'd add seven years. Add That's seven. what I would add, seven. But he, he wanted more than that, well, right? I'd make that offer and see how that goes. But, I mean, to offer somebody the 36 million, at this point, it's really hard to argue that he should get less than 36 million. They've already paid Cole $36 million. He is a free agent to be. He is the biggest star on the team. Maybe he is a sport. Right. Well, yeah, possibly. Right. At this point, well, I, you know, I'd still go with Otani. But, right, I would certainly say he's the biggest star on the team, arguably the biggest star in the sport at the moment. So to me, he should be paid the highest for a position player. He's not beholden to that, though. He offered them this before the year. This is before. he's Now he's on pace for 63 home runs. He may raise that. You know, I mean, it, it could be a moving target, right? He hasn't said, I will take the 36 no matter what. 
He's just said he should be paid up with the highest paid player in the game. And at this point, I do think he's right. I do think the Yankees do hold a lure. I don't think he's just saying that. I hope I'm not being provincial. I think they can. He's not the captain, right? Yeah, they can no. offer him the captaincy. I don't think they believe in that anymore. So to get this done, I think they'll do it. Uh, they'll offer him the captaincy. The ballpark we've talked about and the win. I mean, they haven't lost in how many years? You know, it's better yeah. than me. Somewhere in the mid early 90s, right? They haven't lost since 92, I think. Right. right? Last losing, losing record was 92. Right. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that they can offer beyond that, but I'd just throw in the towel on the $36 million. Yeah, you know, last year the All-Star game was Shohei Otani's All-Star game, right? He started, he hit, everything was built around him. I want everyone to prepare for about five weeks from now. If Aaron Judge pulls into the All-Star game on a pace to outdo Maris, which you and I kind of like would think of as the credible home run record, if he's on pace still for 62, 63, even 60 homers, that All-Star week is going to be about Aaron Judge. Yeah, and like you just said, I, I think it'd be an that's opportunity. What I'm saying. He's a, he's that's a, the opportunity that's to what say, I'm let's, let's throw in the towel and give him the 30s. I mean, I know this is a competition. Everybody's got pride. Everybody's got an ego. They want to win the, the negotiation. They don't want to tell the other owners they threw in the towel, I'm sure. I mean, at this point, he's won the argument, as far as I can tell. I mean, how, how could you not say he's won the argument? He's definitely won the argument. Yeah. One-third of the way through the season. John, you mentioned the Yankee captaincy. I hate to bring everyone down. I happened to notice this yesterday. Today would have been Thurman Munson's 74th uh, birthday. He only would have been 74. It's a reminder of how young he was when he passed away. I hate to get all maudlin. We'll try to bring it upbeat. Our next segment on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman is when we throw open our notebook and tell you some stuff you may not know. Back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. John, weekly we open up our notebook, try to tell the folks out there some stuff they may not know. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going to follow up on something you talked about last week about how this could be a, a dog trade deadline, which is disappointing to me because uh, the trade deadline, I love it. You know, it's great for us. But I'm seeing right now, and we, we discussed whether the Red Sox were going to be sellers. I've gone back and forth with this team. I had them as a playoff team, and I gave up on them, and I said they're going to be a seller. I'm hearing now they're not selling, not a shock. Now that they're in playoff position, I think anybody probably listening probably could have told you that. But that really hurts the trade deadline because Evaldi, Bogertz, J.D. Martinez, Kike, all free agents after the year. So you take them off the trade market, and um, it's not going to be quite the same. We took Juan Soto off last week, too, and we talked about how he's not going to be traded. And I'd like to take a few more guys I think will not be on the trade block, which this will hurt the market as well. Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. The Marlins are not a contender at this point. Pablo Lopez has been one of the better pitchers in the National League. My understanding is that they are planning on keeping him. I'm sure they're going to get many offers. I'm not going to hold to that one. Like I think with the Red Sox at this point, you never know, but I think he's probably staying uh, with Miami. And Martin Perez, we thought he was going to be on the trade block for sure. Hey, the Rangers are hanging around that American League. It's pretty weak right in the middle there at five, six, seven, eight. The Rangers with Semyon still not performing up to his ability. Seeger now getting getting hot. They're in the race at the moment. So at this moment, they're hoping to be a buyer. So Martin Perez may not be on the block. Lopez and all those Red Sox. So we're looking at a tough trade market. Obviously, we still have Montas. We still have the guys from the Reds who we bash every week because the team, not the players, Castillo and Mali. 
But still, too many good players are staying where they are. This is one of the hazards of the six-team playoff, right? Everybody thinks they're in the race. Yeah. Uh, last week, I think you mocked me a little when I said get ready for the Probably. Andrew Benintendi sweepstakes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do that every week until I believe. Because I'm with you, John. I, I, I had talked to Hein Bloom through text uh, at the worst time for the Red Sox. And he's like, we're trying to get back in this. Of course, that's what everyone says. But yeah. as we're sitting here, they're back in it, right? I think they are the, the third wild card as we're sitting and here. Hot, today. And, they're, and their rotation has been right. unbelievable. Last six starts, their rotation like is... Like 35 or something. Yeah, I think it, it might even be lower than that. Yeah. It's like historic. Yeah, and, yeah. and we, the pitching was the weakness on that team. And if their starting pitching is good, that's huge because their bullpen still think a little weak. Look, little and... Weak. and the Phillies are clearly going for it with a managerial yes. change, so we could take some of their players out if they hang around for the third wild card in the National League. Seattle has kind of crept closer to the wild card. I mean, we're looking at truly the dog teams, right? Like we're and, yeah, and, there, and the dog teams, teams, teams are dog teams because, to your point, they don't have a lot of good veteran players who are like near the end or at the end of their contract. And so, you know, you're hoping that certain guys, have, you know, Martin Perez is the veteran Nestor Cortez. Go look at the numbers; they're an exact Fantastic. clone of what Nestor Cortez is doing in New York. So, you know, you take him out. The Marlins, I, mean, I agree with you. To they clearly want to build around Lopez and Alcantara. The sad thing for them is they might have the best one-two starter in the National yep. League, especially with Scherzer and DeGrom both hurt. Yeah. So, I was going to say like, that, Scherzer like, and DeGrom. I saw your forehead go up, so I yeah. knew to jump in and say that. Uh, but, I, I mean, look, those two guys are young and yes. talented. Alcantara is maybe the best workhorse ace in the sport. So I wouldn't want to break it up. I would try to build around it. So, yeah, we're not looking at a great trade deadline. But we, you talked about the Red Sox starters. I talked a little about the Marlins starters. I want to talk in my notebook and talk about the Yankee starters, which have been maybe the most dominant unit in the sport this year, really starting at about May 1st when they started to lose some bullpen guys like Chad Green and Araldus Chapman, Jonathan Loisaga, and they really needed that rotation to not only pitch well, but pitch deep, it has. And so over the weekend I was there, and I try to drill down on what are the reasons that this is going on. Most obvious, right? There's talent there and they're utilizing the talent well Matt Blake the young pitching coach is clearly doing a good job but I want to do three things that might not be that obvious they decided the the trend in the sport had been high fastballs strikeouts but they de they determined the more and more they looked at it that's also a danger pitch that's where slugging percentage and home runs is created and so they wanted to be more deliberate about going up there they have turned much more into sinker change up kind of team and trying to remove slugging to make the other team get three singles to score a run instead of a singular home run. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's the thing, that they're throwing these hard sinkers when everyone else is going up in the zone, and the other teams are all expecting up in the zone, and they're the one team going with the sinkers. So I think that is a big, big factor. Number two, and it's interesting because as we're speaking tonight, they open a series against the Twins who have Gary Sanchez now, is they needed to get away from the drama and trauma of Gary Sanchez. I get it. I was a defender of Gary Sanchez. The, that he really cared, his body language was terrible, so people thought the slumped shoulders, slumped head was revealing of something. There are just some guys who are not great at this, and he was not a great overall catcher. I think we could pretty much say Jose Trevino is. For all the offensive problems, the pitchers like pitching to Kyle Higashioka. There's been some people who complain about the offense out of the catching. Now, that Trevino's covered some of that. Higashioka's been bad. And I'm like, no, the offensive problems are about Aaron Hicks and Joey Gallo. They brought in the catchers and the shortstops yeah. to diversify and defend. And if they have any offensive problems, it's not there. These pitchers love pitching to these catchers. You take some stuff 
some some stress away from the pitchers who were worried about, does Gary remember the sign sequence? Can he block this pitch with a runner on third? And some of that. And then the last thing I'll add is these pitchers and this staff and the catchers love pitch comp. It's quick in their pace. And the biggest thing, if you ask them, what is it? It takes away the mystery on the running game where signs are complicated. Now there's there's rows, there's three rows of nine for pitch, location, and running game on the pitch com. So on the pitch com, you could hit, do a double look at second base, throw to first, step off, hold. And so there's no questions with signs and stuff like that, what you want. And they feel that they are controlling the, the running game better. They're moving at a better pace, and miscommunication is out the window. Well, I will say that pitch comp thing, that was the definition of inside baseball. Uh, I had no idea about that, so good <laughs> congratulations for that. I'm going to highlight three people. That I we... didn't use codicil in a sentence, but I do have pitch comp. Okay, you don't need to wave to the crowd here. There's no crowd. We're in a there room. are cameras We're here, We're in a John. room of six by eight with two other people. That's uh, my crowd, two people. I'm going to highlight three people. Three personalities. Not going to be quite inside baseball. Matt Blake. I talked to Brian Cashman this week. Matt Blake, the pitching coach from Cleveland. You know, they just like the idea of getting somebody from Cleveland. Now, he was an associate scout, whatever that is, with the Yankees at one time, making nothing at the time, I'm sure. But they brought him back. And, I mean, he connects with everybody. Just a terrific personality for a pitching coach. And everybody is outperforming on that staff. So I got to give the pitching coach credit, Matt Blake. Trevino, another great personality. They got him from Texas. Carpenter, I guess you could say, came from Texas too because he was there briefly in the minors. So they've gotten two really good players from Texas, who is now a contender. I think Texas let Carpenter go because they didn't really think they were a contender. They knew he was doing great, and he has continued to do great uh, with the Yankees, but Trevino has been great with the pitching staff, and his hitting has actually been shockingly good. I asked him about that. He said that, oh, he's got a hit, hitting coach in San Antonio. He wouldn't give me his name. It's like a secret hitting coach, so I love that. And uh, Our investigative reporting skills are now do. been challenged. Yeah, we're Fine, gonna, we're, Jose Trevino's hitting if coach. If we spent too much time on that, that would be pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. And the other one is Nestor Cortez. I mean, we talked about Martin Perez and... I mean, Nestor Cortez, out of nowhere, this guy was released by Baltimore and Seattle. Two teams not great historically, at least in recent days. I got, you got to give him credit. I asked him if he had room for the uh, Cy Young trophy that he's going to get in, on his, in his trophy case. First of all, he has no trophy case. He said he has two pins from the Miami Herald. He was all-county Miami Herald player twice. He was very proud of that. And that's the extent of his personal trophies. He did win a championship in the minor leagues, but individually he was all-county Miami Herald, and that is it. Garrett Cole told me he thought Nestor Cortez is the Cy Young winner to this point. I really couldn't disagree. There's competition from Perez and Verlander and a couple others, and maybe even Cole, but, uh, I mean, just a fabulous story. Just a good guy, and it's it's great to see it happen to him. I'd, I'd asked him, what would you do? I mean, he'd been released twice by terrible teams, he said he had no plans. This is all he can do. So thank God it's working out for Nestor Cortez. Yeah, that's why the uh, Warriors who used to go to an island and burn the boats, that was their only thing. We're either taking over the island or we're perishing here. So he, he didn't have another plan. And just to bring it full circle to our first segment, Jose Trevino reminds me a little bit of 1996 Joe Girardi. But we're going to close the circle. When we come back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, we'll look ahead and wrap up. Thanks for listening to episode four of the show, our new baseball podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz for producing this show. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. 
Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and write a nice review on Apple. That would help us. On Twitter, he's at John Heyman. On Twitter, I'm Joel Sherman One. John, what are you looking forward to this week before we meet again next Tuesday? Well, I don't want to seem too provincial, but this third week in a row, I'm going to say the Mets. Mets at Angels. Syndergaard pitching over the weekend against his old team, the Mets. Uh, to me, that's what makes it special. Potentially, I know as we do it now, the Angels have a 12-game losing streak. They might be on a 15-game losing streak and. We're going back full circle, talking about the manager again. I will mention again that Joe Madden is managing that team, but that's my game. Mets at Angels with Syndergaard. The Giants and Dodgers, traditional rivals, have only played twice this year. They have a three-game series over the weekend. The Dodgers and the Mets are probably the two best teams in the league right now. And the Giants are in a playoff position, but there's a lot of underlying numbers about their defense and about their bullpen that aren't great. Let's see if they could shake out of it. Some of those areas against their traditional rival. I'm sure we'll be talking about that, the Angels and the Mets, and more next Tuesday on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman.